we turn our eyes now to the next stage of our series, A Time to Pray. Let me ask you this. What does it mean to live in a kingdom? I mean, as residents or citizens of the United Kingdom of England, we should know because it is, in fact, a united kingdom. We live in a kingdom. So what does it mean to live in a kingdom? According to the dictionary, the first definition of a kingdom of a kingdom is a country, state, or territory ruled by a king or queen. So there it is, sorted. The fact that the United Kingdom is ruled by the queen makes us a kingdom. And technically our country is ruled by the queen, by Queen Elizabeth, and she has obviously um, delegated some of her powers into other forms, and we have a, a democratic monarchy, if you will. But we still live in a kingdom. But the second definition, interestingly, of kingdom, according to the dictionary, is the spiritual reign or authority of God. The spiritual reign or authority of God. And that forms the focus for us today. Now, we're in a series called The Time to Pray, and a couple of weeks ago, we, um, we, we focused in on uh, the passages that reflect what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And this is where Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And we see that he starts off by saying, our Father. And we talked about the unity that comes with that our, your Father, my Father, Jesus' Father, our Father. But we also talked about the intimacy that we're called to pray in. The intimacy of our Father, that Father, that, that Daddy, Abba, Daddy, that we have in God. And then last week we talked about hallowed be your name. The fact that hallowed is being worshipful, being filled with adoration, that actually our prayers should have that of adoring and worshiping God, not just a list to give to him. And then Jesus continues after hallowed be your name to say your kingdom come. But so before we unpack that, just to refresh our memories, we're going to turn to our reading today, which is Matthew 6, 9 through 14. And it says this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples after they ask him to teach them to pray. And he says this, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so Jesus, after praying, Our Father, hallowed be your name, says that we should pray, Your kingdom come. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that on earth as it is in heaven also applies to that your kingdom come, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We see here that Jesus teaches us to seek God's reign over our lives and our world. Jesus says, pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as in heaven. That tells us that God has already firmly established his kingdom in heaven. That tells us that Jesus is asking us to pray that he would reign here 
the way he reigns in heaven, that we, he would reign in our lives and on this earth the way he reigns in heaven, that our land, Gamlingay, Parton, Wesley, St. Neots, Gransden, Cambridgeshire, Bedfordshire, England, the world would be his kingdom. But what does it mean for God to reign in our lives on this earth? Because that's what we're asked to pray. We're asked to pray, God, your kingdom come. So may you reign as you do in heaven. May you reign here. May you be my king. That word reign means to hold royal office. We get that. That's important. The queen reigns in England. The king reigns in his heavenly realms. But beyond just that royal office, reign also means to be the best or most important in a particular area or domain. What Jesus is asking us to pray is that God would be our most important in our lives and on this earth. That he would reign on earth, that he would be in charge, that we would see nothing more important than that of our amazing Father in heaven, our God, that he would reign in our lives. So I have to ask the question of us, is God the most important thing in our lives? Is he our top priority? Is he the most important in the world? Well, the answer is no, quite simply. I mean, we know for the world, he's definitely not the most important thing because most of the world isn't all bowing their knee to the king. Maybe he is the most important for us. I can't make that call for you. I can't answer that question, but I have to ask the question, is he the most important for us? Because we're called to pray and seek and ask your kingdom come, that you would reign in this place, that you would be the most important in my life. That's what Jesus teaches us. And then maybe, maybe you're asking yourself, maybe, maybe as a non-Christian, maybe as a non-believer, you might be asking yourself, well, actually, why would I want another king to rule over me in my life? Why would I want anyone to reign over my life other than me. But see, again, you have to take what Jesus is saying as a whole. He says, let your, you know, we pray that your kingdom come as it is in heaven. So we look to the kingdom in heaven and we don't have a whole bunch of information of what heaven looks like. Very few of us have actually ever been, it has to be said. But we see from scripture in Psalms 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. And when we, what we do know from heaven might be limited, but we know that there is the presence of God, the perfect presence of God. We know that there is no pain, that there is no suffering, that there is no sin, that there is no evil. We know that there is joy and laughter. We know that there is happiness isn't that a kingdom that you want to see? Isn't that a kingdom that you want to be a part of? Isn't that a kingdom that you want to cry out to and say, yes, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 
Doesn't our world need that perfect love, that perfect grace, the perfect wisdom, the perfect justice? Doesn't our world need that kingdom and therefore that king? When I look around the world, when I look to the news, when I look to articles, when I look outside my window sometimes, I see a world that is broken, myself included. It is not others that are broken. It is me and you and the rest of the world that is broken a world that can't really get along, a world in which there is hatred, a world in which there is racism, a world in which there is nasty, nasty, nasty human beings because of the sin that they are dwelling in. And our go-to response is that we want to punish that human being and we want to go to it and ask horrible things to be happened in jail or whatever. We want justice to be served. And we, we, we mask our anger with righteous anger. But the, the, the truth is, what we need before any of that, of our own human making, because that's what the prison systems are. Humans trying to take control and making a mess of it. That's what the welfare system is. The rich getting richer, the poor getting poor, and someone in the middle trying to help out. We don't need a world or a kingdom in which there's starvation. We don't need a kingdom in which there is greed. We don't need a kingdom in which there is pain and suffering. We need a kingdom like the one God has established in heaven. So we need him to reign over us, for us to see that kingdom, for us to let him reign. It is not just a matter of us stepping back and saying, all right, God, you do it. It's a matter of us stepping into that intimate relationship with him and saying, Lord, you will reign over me because I can't control you and I can't control my neighbors. I can't control the person next to me. I can't control my kids or my wife. I can only control me. And so I have the choice of saying, do I want to let God reign over me? Your kingdom come. And that requires to think of God before ourselves and maybe even thinking of others led by God before ourselves. That requires us to humble ourselves. That requires us to do things, not just for what makes me feel comfortable and what makes me feel good, but to do things that God has asked of me. Your kingdom come. And then we see that Jesus teaches us to seek what is already here, but has not yet fully come. Jesus is teaching in, in us to pray, your kingdom come. And that implies that there is a future element, that the, the kingdom is yet to come. There is more yet to come as it hasn't yet come. It's not here yet. However, we read in scriptures that Jesus himself talks about the kingdom of God being in our midst. Explicitly in Luke eleven twenty, if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Even more explicitly, Luke seventeen twenty one says, "Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you." So Jesus, in his life and in his teaching, says, "Actually, the kingdom of God is already here." But then he's teaching us to pray for it to come, as if it wasn't yet here. See, it's the already and not yet. It's already been there. We already see a glimpse of the perfect love, of the perfect justice, the perfect righteousness 
the perfect man. But we know that there is yet more to come. The answer is that the kingdom of God is in God's reign. His sovereign action in the world to redeem and deliver a people and then set future time, and then at a set future time, finish it all. It's already done. He's redeemed us. He's, he's done something massive and huge and amazing for us. It's already done, but not yet finished. He will come at a future time and finish it and renew his people and the universe completely. The world needs more of God's reign, of him being in charge, of him making the decisions, of us listening to him and doing as he is asking, of him, of God being the most important in all of our lives. Just imagine for a second what it would be like if our leaders put God above their own decisions, their own desires? What if they were listening to God's will? What if they, they took love your neighbor as yourself seriously? Imagine the difference that would make in our welfare system. Imagine the difference that would make in our companies if big bosses turned around and actually decided to help out out of their listening to God, out of God reigning in their lives. Imagine the richest of the rich saying, you know what, I don't want to store up my treasures on earth. I want to help out and give. Not because of a, any other sense other than that God reigns. Imagine if the murderers, the, the rapists, the racists, the unforgivables turned around and said, you know what, I'm going to let God reign in my life. I'm going to bow to him. I'm going to listen to what God has to say. Imagine the changes in their lives and the lives of those around them. Jesus teaches us to pray. Your kingdom come. Let you reign in our lives. How do we allow God to reign? Well, that's what part of teaches Jesus here. What part of what Jesus teaches us here. Because your kingdom come also teaches that what only comes into full understanding later is that Jesus is Lord, reigning as King of Kings. We know Jesus as the King of Kings. If you've been a Christian for a while, that's a term that you've heard of him called before. You've, you've heard Jesus, the great high priest. You've heard of Jesus as the King of Kings. We even sing songs about it. And when he walked this earth in perfection, he walked with perfect love, with perfect justice, with perfect grace. He turned the other cheek. He had righteous anger. He had love for the unlovable, the untouchable. What the world said was impossible, he did. He performed miracles. He walked and just simply lived an amazingly perfect, sinless life. It was the demonstration of what can be done in his reign. As we let him reign in our lives, we can live like Jesus. By the Holy Spirit poured out into us, we can live like Jesus. He is the example. He is our everything to turn to. But with Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, that is when Jesus is crowned king to reign forever. After the resurrection, it could be seen now with crystal clarity that what the disciples 
couldn't even fathom or understand during his lifetime. Mainly that the kingdom of God would be most gloriously revealed in a crucified and risen king. In the non-gospel parts of the New Testament, the, the, the epistles, we read a lot less about the kingdom of God and more about the lordship of Jesus. You see, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, but his followers talked about the lordship of Jesus, how he was lord of all, how he was our king of kings. You see, there is this beautiful equation that actually the kingdom of God is seen and manifested in our Lord. The fact that he is our king above all kings. So let me ask you, does Jesus reign in your life? Is he above all else? Is he the most important in your life? Jesus came to reveal the kingdom, but he's also going to come again. As Christians, we believe there is more yet to come. He's already come, but he'll come again already, but not yet done. It was finished on the cross. We have salvation as we declare that we believe in him. He took our, our, our punishment. He's paid the price once and for all. Amen. It's already done. But we're not there yet. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. We've already been saved. We're not there yet. He poured out his spirit to further transform us, to walk more like Jesus, to look more like Jesus. So in praying your kingdom come, we're praying for his supreme reign in our lives, in your life, in my life, as well as his supreme reign in the world. But we're also praying for the return of Jesus. Your kingdom come, come back, King of Kings. Take this kingdom back. How amazing is that? Terrifying in one respect but amazing in another. The ultimate reigning king. But to let another reign above us, to let somebody else reign and take that top spot that isn't me, I, I have to humble myself. See, to let somebody else reign above us, it requires humility. It requires us to recognize truth in who is reigning above us. It requires us to shift our focus. It requires us to bow down. And if we're subjects in his kingdom, we have to ask, are we bowing to his rule, to his teachings, to his desires? Are we bowing to our God who reigns above us? Because what God says goes, his desires for unity, even with those who don't look like us or act like us or talk like us or like me, we're called to bow to him. We're called to love him with everything that we have. We're called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We're called to live a life of righteousness, to step into holiness, to allow him by his spirit to transform us, to chop away at the things that are broken, to let him shine a light in our darkness. We are called to forgive. We're called to love. We're called to walk like Jesus walked. And that's hard, church. 
That's hard. And none of us are going to get it perfect because we're not Jesus. But as we submit ourselves to God, as we allow Him to guide us, to speak into our lives, we can walk more like Jesus. By His Spirit, we can let go of addictions. By His Spirit, we can forgive those we've struggled to forgive. By His Spirit, we can walk in love, grace, and mercy. By His Spirit, we can humble ourselves to our King of Kings, to our Lord Almighty, who's already paid the price, who's already done it all, but will come again. Will come again with power. Are you bowing to your King of Kings? Are you letting Him reign?